Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the North-South Podcast. As you know, I am Jacobs. I am with the Shorts. The Shorts, how we doing? We're doing good. You know, we just saw the Sixers pick up a nice dub. And uh, for all the PBA fans out there, we saw a nice uh, PBA telecast and major championship win. <laughs> I'm all... very happy you included that because I did not watch it. I was watching the Sixers. <laughs> but I knew I could count on you to watch it and let me know how it went. So. Very happy to hear that. All you PBA fans, we got a future PBA star on our hands right here. So, Yes, sir. Keep a lookout for Mr. Declan DeShorts in the PBA in the next 10 years. Yes, sir. All right. So, with Declan saying Sixers big win, let's let's just go ahead and jump right in. Uh, a huge win for the Sixers today. Granted, it is the Knicks, but that New York Philly, it's still a fun time. The crowd was electric for both teams today. A lot of Sixers fans in the garden. And... A lot of whistles, but a lot of fun. Sixers, Harden, Embiid, these teams to watch out. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And a lot of teams, I think, are now locked in to saying, hey, the Sixers are for real. I know it's only been two games against teams that aren't super great in Minnesota and New York. But the Sixers, they're not messing around, and they're they're here to stay, I believe. Yeah, they're uh... – you know, they're looking good. Uh, uh, I'm going to stick to my prediction, saying that they're going to the finals. Matisse Thibel. Absolutely. And the cool thing with, with with Matisse, it really helps Harden. Like they said in the broadcast, they play a very playoff style of basketball already now with Embiid and Harden getting to the free throw line and slowing the game down. Harden had, I want to say, five steals today. A lot of that is, yes, getting back on defense and being able to not have to chase in transition, but it's because he has Matisse and Joel around him defensively. He can take those chances and go for some of those steals because he knows maybe if he does get beat, he's got a phenomenal perimeter defender around him in Matisse. Maxi is very, very quick as well. You saw him on a transition get back and get a steal out of nowhere when he was arguing with the ref and three seconds later, he's got the ball in their back on offense. And Joel, a couple of those blocks in the fourth quarter just – He's a machine. He is where I've never seen a big man just as skilled as him offensively and defensively in the sense that he can pound you on the post. He can shoot the three. He's taken that back a little bit more this year, which I like. And he is very effective in his mid-range game as well. You know, I just don't think this team has a lot of weaknesses other than 
shot creating when Harden is on the bench. But they're going to get that in due time. And Tobias with that as well. It's only a matter of time. He's always been a streaky player. But it's up to him and Doc Rivers both. And Harden, I think. If, 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 if Doc is going to stagger Harden and Harris together, I think it really can work. Even though they don't have a center to really play on MB, I, I still think, you know, just with how top-heavy that team is offensively. And uh, with Joe Harris coming back soon and, like I said, the mandate being changed, I think this Brooklyn Nets team is going to pick it up and they're going to they're gonna get into the top six and lock themselves in the playoffs. The second team I see is the Milwaukee Bucks. And I say the Milwaukee Bucks because, you know, they can – they're a very deep team, and they can score from anywhere. They they have a player like Drew Holiday, who is an all-around player. He can score the ball. You know, he could he could play defense very well. You have Giannis, the Greek freak menace. Um, you also have Chris Middleton. Uh, I think he's a three and D wing that can make plays uh, passing the ball. Uh, I think that team could make a problem for Philly, and you can't count out the Heat. You can never count out the heat. The Nets still came back. Kyrie willed that team to a win in Milwaukee in a huge game. And they are a force to be reckoned with, with or without the mandate. And with the mandate, I think they slide up possibly above Milwaukee. Milwaukee has the pedigree. I know a couple of weeks ago I said I still think they're the team to beat. I think maybe they could possibly be the team to beat. But if the Sixers and Nets play the way they're capable of, I do think that they have finally do have more talent than the Bucks do. And like like I just said, I just think the East is a dogfight. The Bulls are going to be a tough out. They might not go far, but they could go far. They have a lot of players on that team. They, they are very much a team. And DeRozan is absolutely an MVP candidate. What he has been doing lately has just been insane. He has resurrected his career in Chicago after – those couple of years in San Antonio. The reason I didn't mention the Bulls was because I think this team is very young, and I think this team has a lot of things to work on. Absolutely. And also, if you look out through the years of Marta Rosen on the Raptors, they were always the one seed. You know, they're always really good in the regular season. But in the playoffs, they didn't They didn't look so hot. Now, I could be overreacting. This is a brand-new team. He is looking phenomenal. He has really resurrected his career leaving San Antonio and coming to Chicago. But I think this team is young. Uh, I think this team needs a few more years. And I think I think this I think they could be a good team. Uh, I think it's a bad time to build up in the East because of how competitive it is. The Sixers are very young. Milwaukee is very young. Or Milwaukee's not super young, but they have a very young superstar who's absolutely a menace. Miami, that team is all around just well. And the Cavs, the Cavs are on the uprising. The Cavs are a very young team. The Hawks, the Hornets, the Raptors. Yeah, there's there's not going to be any easy series in the East because if you get that four seed and say Cleveland hangs around the five or the three if Cleveland falls to the six, who really wants to play that team? And with the West, it really looks like it, it's looking like a three-team race. Uh, with the Suns, the Warriors, and the Grizzlies in the top three seed. And honestly, I could see one, two, three, four, f- five. I could see five teams beat any three of these teams in the seven-game series. You know, I-, I could see Miami. I could see Chicago. I could see Philly. I could see Milwaukee. And I could see Brooklyn. And if Cleveland gets hot, who says that they can't beat them in a seven-game series? 
You know, that front court is very good. Also with a very good backcourt, Darius Garland having a phenomenal season. So I, I think the East will be taking home the finals trophy this year. It's just the question is, who's it going to be? And when's, when's the right team going to get hot? And I think that's what that's what the Eastern Conference is going to come down to. What team wants it more? What team is going to look best at the best best time? Sorry. And, you know, I think that, that's all what it's going to come down to. And I think this Eastern Conference is going to be very good for a very long time after a dominance in the West for a very long time. Yeah, I think the Bucks winning it last year kind of started something with uh, with the swing to the East with the momentum. And I do think the East, as long as somebody like Kevin Durant stays in Brooklyn, and even without Kyrie, I, I definitely could still see him staying. I also didn't think he'd leave Golden State the way he did as quickly as he did. But at the same time, there's a lot of teams in the East, like Declan just said, that are just very, very tough to compete with on a nightly basis. I almost wonder if these teams in the East are going to beat each other up so much that the winner of the East is almost gassed out by the time they get to the finals. I do agree with you that I would take the East over the West, hypothetically, this season. But with how much they're going to be fighting each other, who knows? Maybe one of those teams in the West comes out a little bit healthier, a little bit less fatigued, and, you know, all that travel, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, and it's a shame. It really is because in the West, teams just need one more piece or, you know, they're a good team and they're not playing together. Utah is a very good team. They're a very deep team. They they just need one more guy. Same thing for Dallas, you know, Luka. Luka, the Dallas isn't as deep as a team. You know, they need they need some more pieces, but Luca is an absolute menace. He will be one of the best overseas players in NBA history. Uh, same thing for Denver. You know, you got to give Jokic credit. He's carried this team to a six seed without Jamal Murray, without MPJ. And I, I think they just need one more piece, and they're all in title contention. But until that happens, I, I don't see any of those teams winning anything. I completely agree, and – I think that they could definitely stand to bolster their teams through the NBA draft with somebody like a Chet Holmgren, a Paolo Bancaro, any of these guys at the top of the, the mock drafts. And I think that's a nice little subway segue. I must be hungry into we could get a little bit of top 10 talk, uh, maybe top 25 talk in for college basketball, something that we haven't really talked about yet. As we get closer into March, you know, recording today the day or two days before the start of march march madness is right around the corner it's my absolute favorite time of the year the first two days of march madness in my opinion that first weekend in general but the first two days are the best two days of my sporting calendar for the entire year including the super bowl and nba playoffs all that stuff i absolutely love march madness you had a first yesterday not only did the top six teams one through six all lose on the same day for the first time ever, seven of the top ten teams lost yesterday. So you had Gonzaga lose, Arizona, Auburn, Purdue, Kansas, and Kentucky all lost. Duke won, but Texas Tech also lost. So Baylor was one of the top ten teams. They beat Kansas in a very good game. There this season, more than most, really doesn't seem to be just that one, maybe two teams like last year with Gonzaga and Baylor that stand out. Purdue has gone on a run. Gonzaga went on a run. Baylor was on a run for a while. You know, Auburn was on a really good run for a while. 
a lot of these teams, it just depends on matchups so much more than it has maybe in the past. And who gets hot, kind of like the NBA with the East, like Declan said, who gets hot at the right time. There's so many teams, I think, going into the tournament this year that I could honestly see winning the whole thing. Unlike, you know, somewhere like last year, like I said, with Gonzaga, Baylor were the very, very big favorites. Somebody like a Michigan last year. I really am incredibly excited to see this year the unpredictability of March Madness and what is going to happen. The the scary team, I agree with you. I think I was looking it up yesterday or today. I was researching it. This this year, college basketball is very, very open. Any team can win. I don't know a whole lot of te- uh, players right now. I know uh, Chet Holmgren, Holmgren, Holmgren. The seven-one shooter. He's he's an absolute tank. He'll probably go number one in the draft. I think, I think it's interesting. Uh, I don't know who's necessarily gonna gonna win. Um, Nova Nation. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know. So, what Jay Wright has been able to do with the team this year, with injuries and departures, it really has been impressive. You know, Gillespie and Samuels are both just very good players, and but you know, a team like Providence, also in the Big East. They've had great fights over the years and this season as well. I think the betting favorite is going to be Gonzaga with Chad Holmgren, you know, Drew, uh, you know, with Tilly and everything. But my thing, like Declan said, there really aren't a whole lot of, you know, one man, you know, names this season, like maybe in years past where, you know, you had Zion at Duke and RJ Barry and Cam Reddish, you had those guys together. Uh, you had all of these guys that maybe just by name, you'd go ahead and pick that team in, in, in your bracket. And then you have just teams who come in and take them out. This season, more than most, I do see a lot more of just sheer talent as teams rather than individual talent that will lead into the NBA as well. I honestly think from one all the way down, Maybe not. I'm not huge on Texas Tech personally. They are a very good team and a good story. But pretty much all the way down to 15 or 16, I can see any of these teams getting hot. Even maybe a Tennessee, Arkansas, seven and 18, getting hot and going on a run and making it to a Final Four. And once you're in the Final Four, anything can happen. So I think while we don't generally talk about college basketball at all before this podcast, it's something that I know at least for myself. I'm incredibly excited to see March Madness. And like Declan said, he'll absolutely be following March Madness. So it's something to definitely keep your eyes on going forward. Yeah. So I, yeah, college basketball. Now we can just do a a quick touch up on the UFC event last night. If you guys don't know, um, after Benil Dariush had to pull out from his fight against Islam Makachev, Bobby Green, who fought maybe two, three weeks prior, jumped in and said, pick me, I will fight. Now, we love Bobby Green. Bobby Green is a very funny guy, you know, airball. (laughs) He got absolutely demolished last night. I didn't watch the fight. I saw the highlights, though. You know, Islam did what Islam did. He he, he scored his 10th win in a row. He took Bobby Green down. Believe it or not, he did not win by submission. He won by TKO after, you know, he just took him down. And he started wailing on him. And after a while, Bobby Green, he couldn't defend himself anymore. 
the refs stopped the fight. And, you know, really that was it. I think Islam is going to be the future lightweight champion. I think he is Habib Jr. And I think he may end up being better than Habib ever was. Uh, you know, if he if he keeps fighting these top guys, he's he'll be fighting better competition by then. And you really have to start questioning it. You know, who's better, Makachev or Khabib? Now, uh, you know, I would still say Habib is better right now, but if Islam keeps putting these fights together or these wins together, I'm excited to see who he's going to fight next, whether it'll be the Diamond, whether it'll be the winner of Gaethje versus Oliveira. Uh, but I- I'm excited. I'm excited. No, I-, I do think that the next fight, in my opinion, for Islam is Dustin Poirier. I think you have Oliveira Gaethje. And then a number one contender fight with Poirier and Makachev. I think that's definitely a possibility of a headliner on a pay-per-view fight. Like you said, Bobby Green, it was two weeks, I do believe. He was the the first fight of the pay-per-view card. He opened the the card with uh, with a knockout. Or a knockout or a, a decision, I believe. But decision. A decision fight, yeah. He just got knocked out. I don't even remember his name. Uh, I, I should have that, but it, it wasn't even a fight, really. The entire time had us cracking up watching the fight, but just purely dominated. Kudos to him for taking a fight on two weeks' notice. You could tell from the start he was outmatched. Like Declan said, Islam is here to stay. He is very, very possibly the next champion, in my opinion, in the lightweight and he could have a Khabib-like reign over the division. He reminds me a whole lot of Khabib. Obviously, he has Khabib in his corner. But unlike Khabib, he is a very formidable boxer. He can throw 10 fights in a row for his win streak now, and I believe six by stoppage, if not six in a row, six of the 10 at least by stoppage. He's a showstopper. He will submit you, and he will ground and pound you. He does not really have any flaws in what he does. I would love to see him and Oliveira at one point go head-to-head because they are such similar fighters, and they are both so quick and just so skilled at what they do. I do think the two fights in the lightweight division I would like to see are, you know, the next title fight, Oliveira and Gagey. And then I would I would have loved to have seen uh, Derouche and, and Makachev. But unfortunately for Derouche, the show must go on. Islam fought like Islam does, and I think the next fight for him is Dustin Poirier. I agree. You could also look at fights like uh, Michael Chandler. Absolutely. Who, which I think would be a very good fight. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe for Derouche now, you know, you get somebody like him and Chandler to solidify the top five. You get them to fight each other. You have Islam and Poirier. You have Oliveira Gagey. Those are six guys right there who are all very well deserving of being in the top five. Let them fight it out and, and see what happens. And boom, there you got your top five right there. Yep, I agree. So, yeah, the lightweight division has a whole lot of potential moving forward to be just a roller coaster ride to see what, what goes on in the next year, two years. And we're here for it. Let me tell you, it's going to lead to a whole lot of exciting fights. I think Gagey and Chandler showed the world in in their last fight against each other. The lightweight division, man, they don't play around, and we are in for a treat. Yeah, 
I'm excited for the for the months and years to come. Something else I'm very excited for. Major League Baseball, whenever it decides to come back. What's that? It, Major League Baseball, man. MLB. Never heard of it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have heard of it for all the wrong reasons recently. They are still in the midst of <laughs> no end in sight. As of now, it does look like the season, unless a miracle happens, is going to be delayed at some point, which is the worst possible thing that could happen for baseball. Unbelievable. Yeah, it, it really is a shame. They've I never already... understood that the Manfred hate because I was never big in the MLB, but now I understand it. Now you get it. Yeah, Manfred's <laughs> terrible. And it's a shame that quite honestly, a dying sport nationally is letting themselves get into such a bad situation. But we aren't here to talk about that. We are here to talk about our top 10 list of the week this week. Some positives in the MLB, which as Declan and I will talk to you about so many good players at the top. It's hard to do a list like this, but we're going to try. We're going to give you our top 10 Major League Baseball players. Oh, um, so I guess I'll start off with my honorable mentions. I have three honorable mentions. Um, my first one is third base for the St. Louis Cardinals. We have Nolan Arenado, uh, a very well all-rounded player. He's bad against one of the handed pitchers. I don't know if it's righty or lefty. I don't know exactly what one it is, but he's very dominant against one. He's so-so against the other. Very good fielder, though. He's he's a big power guy. Uh you know, he he sends the ball to the fences. And, you know, he, he can make a bunch of plays on defense. You know, he can he can make all, all different types of plays on defense. Now, next, we have another third baseman from the Cleveland Guardians. We have Jose Ramirez. Now, Jose Ramirez, he's, he's more of a contact guy, but he's a better fielder, in my opinion. Um, it's a shame because he's the only guy other than Shea Bieber on this team because the Guardians decided, hey, I want to trade everyone. But, you know, uh, you got to you gotta give the credit, even though, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland hasn't made a, a big playoff run ever since their 2016 World Series appearance. Now, my last honorable mention is a uh, starting pitcher for the New York Yankees, the king of spider tack sticky stuff. We have Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, ever since they banned the uh, the spider tag, he, he, he had a rough time. He ended up picking it back up later in the season. Coincidence or not, I don't know. Um, seems pretty fishy to me. But he's he's a all-around starting pitcher. He can do he can do anything that you ask him to. You know, there's whole not a whole there's not a whole lot of weakness in uh his stuff and, and what he's got going on. Do you want to give us your honorable mentions, sir? I would love to. There are a few players like Declan mentioned and Garrett Cole and Arenado and Ramirez that didn't quite make my top 10 list either and would have been on my honorable mention, but I decided to go with a couple other names who I think just missed my list. Uh, Marcus Semyon of the Blue Jays, people don't realize, also had a top three finish when he was with Oakland in the MVP balloting a couple of years ago, had an absolutely monster year for Toronto this past season that led him to a huge payday for in free agency before the lockout. Just a whole lot of fun to watch. Another Blue Jay, Vlad Guerrero. Those two carried the Blue Jays this season for the corner infielders. 
and made a whole lot of fun, or excuse me, semi and second base, so the right side of the infield. They were a ton of fun to watch in that absolutely stacked American League. Guerrero's honestly look a whole lot like his dad, if not a little better, last season. And young, promising, and just on a meteoric rise. Uh, I also have Aaron Judge, the former second-place finisher in the MVP voting. 52 home runs as a rookie. Insane. The rookie of the year in, I want to say, 2017, 2018. And just six foot seven. He's like a football player out there with some of these little guys. Super funny to watch him and Altuve stand next to each other. And then I have two pitchers. I have Zach Wheeler of the Phillies and Corbin Burns of the Brewers. Both electric stuff. <laughs> both Cy Young finalists last season. And both pitchers that I think, while Wheeler has battled a lot of injuries in his career, finally was able to stay healthy and put together a Cy Young kind of season. Didn't win the award in the end, but was very deserving, just like Corbin Burns, who is incredibly young and I think only going to get better, which is very, very scary for the rest of the league. Uh, to start off our lists, I'll go ahead and start with my number 10. I have Sir Mookie Betts of the Los Angeles Dodgers. 2018 AL MVP with the Red Sox, won the World Series that year. And then got traded to the Dodgers a few years later and proceeded to win the World Series with the Dodgers. Also, something that Declan might like, he is a very good bowler. Yes, he is. He is phenomenal, and he loves to bowl. Um, always fun to watch. One of my favorite Mookie Betts moments, though, will forever be spring training with the Red Sox. He was mic'd up live with the ESPN crew. Ball got hit over his head, and he starts running and goes, Oh, not going to get this one, boys. And it was just pure comedy. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And love him or hate him, he is an incredible player. And I thoroughly enjoy watching him play. Yeah, uh, quick disclaimer for this top 10 list uh, for all you non-MLB fans out there. This MLB has so many good players. So it's me and Jacobs's list. I'm sure we'll have some same players. I don't know if they'll be in exactly the same spot. I just wanted to click the slammer because I didn't want a bunch of these guys being oh one one guy doesn't know MLB and one guy does. It's not it's not like that. It's more of less. No, there's so much talent in Major League Baseball right now that I truly do think there are many players who can be considered a top ten. I, th- I think the top twenty twenty five players in Major League Baseball in any given time they can all be argued top ten. Could easily be a top ten, top five player. Quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah, but. We digress. Um, my number 10 best MLB player right now is Ronald Acuna Jr. Acuna would have been higher on my list, except, you know, the torn ACL and everything. Before that, he was having an incredible season. Prayers up to him. I hope he is doing well. It, it's a shame what happened. He, he Like I said, he did look good. Um, he would be higher on the top of the list. You know, young guy, great bat, great fielding. Uh, it's, it's hard to talk about these guys. A lot of these guys are just all around good players. You know, there's not a whole lot of weakness about him. He's fast. He can steal bases, good, good fielding, good on the bat either way, either kind of pitcher, no no matter what he's good. My number nine, I had Mad Max, Max Scherzer, NL Cy Young winner, reigning, defending, undisputed. Um, at the beginning of the season, I, I believe he looked fairly shaky. He wasn't he wasn't necessarily in the Cy Young talks. It was more Walker Bueller than Max Scherzer. You know, Max Scherzer, Corbin Burns, uh, Cara, uh, not Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler. 
Um, but you know, once he got traded to the Dodgers, he just he started going ham. Uh, I believe he finished with a, uh, an ERA around 220, 250, which is absolutely insane. He's getting up there, so we'll see how he does with the Mets, whether he'll decline or not. But, you know, I, I hope he declines because he's a Met. But, you know, we'll see. Scherzer, very, very deserving of the award last year that did go to Burns. I wouldn't have been mad with any three of those winning the Cy Young. My number nine... Uh, also on my list, like Declan, Ronald Acuna Jr., the 2018 Rookie of the Year. Uh, it would have very much been higher if we did this list last season. Probably a top three, four player, if not even, you know, number two. Torres ACL was having a very good season before the injury and is going to perennially, perennially, excuse me, be an MVP candidate you would expect for the Braves. Somebody who can lead the league in home runs, but can also and has led the league in stolen bases. A true threat, both hitting, fielding, five-tool player. Pretty much all these players, pitcher, pitchers or hitters, in this list, they're not really going to have any holes in their game, maybe one or two. They're all complete players if you're going to be up on this list in, in Major League Baseball with the talents that they do. Number eight, I have Fernando Tatis Jr. He was most likely the NL MVP, probably a runaway before his injury, and he never could stay healthy. He kind of moved around the diamond. Once he came back, the Padres – to show, quite honestly, how important he was, absolutely fell off once he got injured and were never quite the same. We're in the playoff contention before his injury, and once he got injured, they weren't the same, showing you how important he is to the team and part of the young talent and the young flair that Major League Baseball finally has and needs to embrace. Him, Acuna, a lot of these young guys, a lot of the older generation of people are going to say they're too flashy they're too loud they're too uh personally maybe i'm just biased because i'm under the age of 50 no offense dad i absolutely love to an extent somebody like javier baez not on my list for obvious reasons he's too loud he's too acuna always has a smile on his face plays the game with such passion and even as a Phillies fan, I thoroughly enjoy watching him play, him and Tatis Jr., because they are so good at what they do. And even though they know it, they don't take the game for granted. And you can tell how much fun that they truly have playing baseball. Yeah, I agree. Uh, at my number eight spot, I have first baseman for the uh, the reigning defending Atlanta Braves. I know that's the second time I said that. Probably won't be the last. I have Freddie Freeman. Now, Freddie Freeman, what separates him from a bunch of other infielders is his hitting consistency. He consistently will hit 300. You know, he's absolutely insane. Like like all 10 of these guys, he's he's a five-tool, he's a five-tool player. He doesn't have a whole lot of weaknesses. He's a big guy, he can swing. And you know, you know about his average. He has a 300 average every year, every year, every year. And he's he's always just that thorn in your side that you got to worry about in three holes. And you hate pitching to him. Pitchers can't stand pitching to him. But, um, you know, uh, he's a very nice guy. I give him respect where it's due. At number seven, I have the 2021 NL MVP, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper in 2021 had an absolutely phenomenal year. Unfortunately, his team did not make the playoffs. You know, I think he's one of the best right fielders. Uh, a lot of people were saying how he was overrated for how much he was getting paid. But then you look at Mookie Betts on how much he's getting paid. You look 
at Mike Trout on how much he's getting paid. It's really hard to say right now that Bryce Harper is getting overrated right now and getting overpaid, which I think we have to lower that narrative and finally disagree with that. Yeah, I completely agree. With my number seven, I'm going to go with Max Scherzer. Declan already had him on his list. Three-time Cy Young Award winner. Almost like fine wine, just gets better with age. Didn't look great to start a season with the Nationals last year. And right before the trade, kind of picked it up. And then the minute he got traded to the Dodgers, he was just unhittable at times and was very deserving of being a finalist for the Cy Young that Corbin Burns ended up winning. We'll see how he does with the Mets. Uh, I hope. How about this? I'll give him because I enjoy him. Hope he does well. And I hope the other four days that he doesn't pitch the Mets lose. That'd be pretty great. Won't happen, but I can wish. Number six, Freddie Freeman, another brave on my list. Just a super likable guy, really cute kid, a great father, you can tell. And maybe not the heart and soul of the Braves. I think Acuna is that. But the most consistent player on the Braves didn't have a great start to the season this year, kind of like Max Scherzer. But once he got hot, he got hot and he finished strong and finally led the team to a World Series title. For as much as it pains me to say that, it's not a dislikable team. It's a very likable team. It's a rival of the Phillies, but they are very, very talented. And to win the title without Ronald Acuna Jr. says a lot about the leadership Freddie Freeman brings to that locker room and the effect that he has on those players. And that's why I have him at number six on my list. Uh, so at my number six, I have the 2020, 2021 AL MVP, Shohei Otani. Um, around 2016, Shohei Otani came over from Japan, and he was showed as this big, big good guy that's really going to change the league. And we weren't really able to see that because of, you know, his injuries. We weren't able to see him pitch. We weren't able to see him hit. But – you know, this season, it was finally his time. He, he was fully healthy, and he came out, and he put the league on notice. Uh, he had a little north of a three ERA with, I believe, having number being number one in home runs this season, which is absolutely insane. We won't see anything like this, or this is the first time we've seen anything like this. He's completely changed the game of baseball. And I think it's very good for the league, and I'm very excited to see him play with Mike Trout uh, whenever he, he gets healthy again. Uh, so I'm excited to see the Angels because I always liked the Angels. Uh, I always thought they were good good people uh, on the team, except, you know, the situation with Tyler Skaggs. But we digress. But at my number five, I have the best pitcher in the MLB right now, Jacob DeGrom. The only problem with DeGrom is his health, really. Uh, he, he's, he's so dominant on the diamond or on the hill. It's, it's, it's very hard to figure out what he's doing or how he's doing it. But, you know, all, all the respect to the man. I wish he was on, you know, an actual winning team, and I wish I could root for him, but it's very hard to do with him being a New York Matt. And like you said with Scherzer, I hope he does well all four of the other days except the one that he's pitching. Absolutely. Number five, I have the NL MVP from this past season, Bryce Harper, my man, Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, just a thoroughly – never thought I'd say this – good guy. 
a couple of years ago with the Nationals. I couldn't stand him. I think a lot of Phillies fans were the same way. But seeing him on a daily basis now, not just, you know, one weekend a, uh, every every month or so, whenever they play the Nationals, he really truly has matured since he's come to the city of Philadelphia. Very deserving of all the money he's been given. And I just really hope that they can get him a team around him because if they do, Bryce Harper very much can lead a team to a World Series, in my opinion. Number four, I have, like Declan, at number five, I believe, Shohei Otani. AL MVP this season, what he has done was just masterful, was finally able to stay healthy. He did fall off in the second half, but it takes absolutely nothing away from how deserving he was of the MVP in what he did. Shohei Otani is a joy to watch, and I cannot wait you know, to, to see him hopefully stay healthy and produce even at 75% of the clip that he produced this year for hopefully years on years to go. Yeah, so at number four, I have Fernando Tatis Jr., shortstop for the San Diego Padres. Tatis uh, is a generational talent, and he will be a generational talent for years to come. I'm sure the Tigers are kicking themselves right now for trading him away for virtually nothing. This this guy, he's he's very good on on the bat. He's very fast. He can field. Uh, he's he's another he's another five star A plus guy that doesn't have many weaknesses about him. Um, number three, I'm gonna keep him here, even though he had a rough year last year. Uh, outfielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers, World Series champion, Mookie Betts. Um, even though he had a rough year last year, you know, he's he's still I think he's still a very consistent hitter. He's also a very consistent fielder. He. And, you know, he's just – he's such a good guy. Like you said, he was a bowler. We love the bowlers out there. Appreciate to all the bowlers. And, you know, he, he's just a winner. He wants to win, and he just wants to have fun playing the game. He wants to have fun, and he wants to win, which you got to respect that. Absolutely, man. So my number three, I have Juan Soto, the absolute superstar face of the Washington Nationals. A lot of guys in the NL East, coincidence or not, probably the best division in baseball other than the AL East on this list. Juan Soto last year, just under, he just missed the 330 and 100 club, had a 313 average with 29 home runs, 95 RBIs, was also a deserving finalist for the NL MVP award, did not win the award, turned down an absolute mega contract from the Nationals for good reason in the offseason. He's probably just going to get even more in the coming seasons, whether it's the Nationals or another team, he will absolutely get a huge, very deserving payday. My number two, I have the best pitcher in baseball. Quite honestly, in my opinion, a candidate, if he can get healthy, as the possible GOAT pitcher, Jacob deGrom, had a 108 ERA. I know he only pitched 15 games. 7-2, and two, I believe, was his record. He was- That is insane. It's it's that's not normal. It's you've never seen numbers like that since the mound has been changed the way it was. Jacob Degrom, even though he's a Met, it is just an absolute joy to watch him pitch. He is absolutely insane and very very well could go down as the best pitcher of all time. Yeah. So at my number two, I have outfielder for the Washington Nationals turned down a big 
paycheck. Uh, left fielder Juan Soto. You know, for the for the rest of this list, you're gonna have straight five tool guys, uh, except this guy is 23 and he's the second best player in the MLB. And I think he has a very bright future if they can get a team around him. Uh, a lot with this guy leaving, even though he brought a championship to Washington, I still think he can win a lot more if they get a few more pieces around him. With trading Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, you're looking towards the future, which I think was a good move in the long run for this team. Juan Soto, he's just, he's unbelievable. He is unbelievable. And honestly, I don't blame him for turning down that paycheck. I think he could have gotten a lot more money. And at my number one spot, center fielder for Los Angeles Angels, I have Mike Trout. Like I said, for the rest of this list, it's going to be five tool guys. We have another one here. The only reason he's not in contention for number one by some people is because he doesn't stay healthy. He, he did not stay healthy last season. He was out a majority of the season. Uh, even with that, he's still a 280 average guy, 40 jacks, 100 RBIs. And he's a phenomenal fielder. He, he's just he's just an all-around guy. And it's unfortunate because they need to get a team around him immediately. And it looks like they're trying to do that uh, with signing Noah Syndergaard, having Shohei Otani on the team. Uh, but I'm excited for this uh, Angels future. Yeah, also number one on my list, obviously Mike Trout. I don't think it's even close. Soto is an incredible player. DeGrom is phenomenal. Mike Trout, even when he's not healthy, you have to put him at number one. He is just unreal. Very, very possibly the best hitter I've ever seen in my life. Three-time MVP winner, which says so much considering how many times he's been hurt. And even more to me, he's finished second in voting four times. He has been top two in voting seven different times and has won eight Silver Sluggers. That's just stupid. He's still – he just uh, just turned 30 in August. So, in theory, he still has another five to seven very, very good years. And even for his standard, maybe not as good, still all-star caliber years after that, if not in that little span. He's got a career 305 average. He's already hit over 300 home runs at 800 RBIs, and he's stolen 200 bases. He's just a phenomenal fielder. He's a phenomenal hitter, and he's a really good dude. I'm sure Eagles fans love him too, being a huge Birds fan. Yes, sir. Go Birds. Yep. And I can't think of a player that I'd rather start a franchise with, even, even with some of these young guys on my team. If I had the number one overall pick in, in any kind of fantasy draft, I think – you got to go with Mike Trout. Yeah, uh, I think I think we both had pretty good lists. I I really have nothing to complain about or argue about. No, we had all this. Uh, I believe all of our ten were the same, just in different order, and that says a lot. You know, I'm just I really hope that the uh, Major League Baseball can get this figured out sometime soon, because the NFL is just far and away America's sport now when it used to be Major League Baseball. And I think with that. Um, to close the show today, we can just give you a quick little, like Declan mentioned last week, uh, our last episode talked about possibly doing a little way too early predictions for the NFL. Pre, I wouldn't lie to you guys. <laughs> he will not lie to you. We're going to go ahead and give you our way too early pre-free agency, pre-NFL draft predictions. So, if right. Declan, you want to start us off, um, just go ahead and run through all eight divisions. Go ahead. So, in the AFC East... Um, I'm going to go four to one. Uh, at number four, 
I have the New York Jets, although I think they will improve as a team. I think they're still going to be the worst team in the division, only because on how competitive this division is. At number three, I'm going to have the Dolphins. You know, with this new head coach, uh, I think it's going to take time to get used to. Uh, they're just, you're going to do a lot of experimenting with Tua, whether he's the guy or not. So I think this team will kind of, you know, they'll be uh, eight and nine, seven and ten team. Maybe nine and eight, but at the two seed, I have the New England Patriots. The Patriots are, uh, I think they're in win now mode only because their team is, uh, they're they're getting old. Um, other than the quarterback, their team on defense is getting kind of old. So I think they're in uh, they're in win now mode, and uh, you know they're, they're going to try to improve as fast as they can. And I think this team's going to make a good run. But number one, I have the Buffalo Bills. This Buffalo Bills team is very balanced. Uh, their only problem is a running back, which I think they're going to try to get somebody in the draft or in free agency. And after that, uh, there's there should be no excuses at that point. You know they should they should be a Super Bowl Super Bowl contender. And I think they are now. And with adding a run game, I think it's going to be very, very scary. I'm going to put the Browns. Now, I'm going to put the Browns because I think they're going to bring Baker back. And I don't think that's the best decision for the team. Uh, I don't think Baker is the guy. I think you got to make a move on Baker. Um, I think, you know, with Baker on the team, the only positive thing on that offense is the run game and the offensive line. Now, if they kind of play Baker like a, a Jimmy G run heavy offense type of thing, I do think it could work. Um, I also think this division is going to be very close. I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if any of these teams win the division, you know, uh, but with number three, with the odd quarterback situation coming up, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Big Ben retiring. This this is a team like the Broncos. They're a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. But I don't think they're going to come out with a very good quarterback. Uh, I'm thinking maybe Dwayne Haskins, who it, it won't be ideal. Maybe maybe a Jimmy G-type guy. Uh, you know, you have Najee Harris. You have Juju who's going in the free agency. You have Chase Claypool. You have a very bad offensive line who has played better than we all thought they were going to play. But I think they're going to digress from last year, losing Big Ben. I can't believe I'm saying that, they're, that they're going to – get worse with losing Big Ben. But I think this is going to be a, a retooling year – or not a retooling year, but, you know, figure out who's our guy at that uh, quarterback uh, year. At the number two seed, I am going to have the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens, uh, this is an interesting team because one week we think they're good enough to win it all, but the second week we really – don't know whether they're good enough to win at all. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see. Number one, uh, I'm going to have them winning the North again. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, they went to the Super Bowl. They lost in a very close game. Joe Burrow is going to get better. Joe Mixon is going to get better. Jamar Chase is going to get better. Uh, that offensive line is going to improve. That defense better improve. Um, and I think Zach Taylor is learning a lot more. In the AFC South, at the four seed, or not the, not the four seed, fourth in the division, we are going to have the Houston Texans. Uh, I think this is the year the Houston Texans trade Sean Watson. I think this is where they get a pick back. They get something back uh, that will make the team a tad bit better. But I'm not – I don't think it will improve very much more. At the three, third in the division, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I think the coaching of Doug Peterson was a great move. 
I think he's going to make Trevor Lawrence a very much better quarterback, and I think this offense is going to be fun to watch, and I'm, I'm very excited. Second in the division, I'm going to have the Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis Colts looks like they may be trading or cutting Carson Wentz. I'm intrigued to see on where he's going to go and what they're going to get back and what the Colts are going to do with their quarterback situation. That team is a very good team, uh, great running back, Jonathan Taylor, great offensive line, good defense. That team is is also very well balanced. And at number one, I have Tennessee Titans. I think Ryan Tannehill is going to bounce back from a tad bit of a frustrating year. Derrick Henry, he, hopefully he won't be out uh, like uh, last year. Uh, this defense needs to get better. Julio Jones needs to play better. A.J. Brown, he had a rough start. He was out for a, a lot of the season. When he came back, he did look very good, though. In the IFC West, in our fourth seed, I do have the Las Vegas Raiders. I say the Raiders only because I think Denver is going to be the team that gets Aaron Rodgers. So I think, you know, with the quarterback coming to Denver, I think that will make the team much better. Raiders, you know, you know what you're getting with the Raiders. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of Josh McDaniels. I was never a huge fan of Josh McDaniels. So I don't like the hiring at all, although I do like Derek Carr. Uh, I, hopefully that defense gets better. I just don't see it getting much better. Josh Jacobs it digressed – or not digressed. He uh, he didn't play as well, I guess, digressed. Wide receivers looking interesting with the whole Henry Ruggs situation. I don't know what they're going to do there at receiver. At number three, I have the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to put the Chargers at three here. Same thing. Uh, if Denver didn't have Aaron Rodgers, I do think that uh, the – actually, I'm going to say Denver at three. I'm going to say Denver at three. I think this division is going to be very hard to predict, um, but I'm going to put Denver at three. I still think they get into the playoffs, but I just think this Chargers team is going to get much, much, much better as the season goes on. And I think Denver Denver has a few things to figure out. I do think they'll get into the playoffs. I think they'll figure some things out in the playoffs. But it's first year under a new coach, under a new quarterback, I predict. And, you know, you're going to have a few things to figure out. At two, you have the Chargers, Herbert, Allen, Eckler. Just an absolute stacked squad offensively. Defensively, they have some things to pick up. But – this team is just going to get better and better. The offensive line's improving, and you know the offense is just looking at electric, and it's looking like one of the best offenses in the league. And at number one, I'm going to pick the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs: Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Andy Reid. What else do you need me to say? That team is absolutely stacked with a ton of pieces. And I also think they're going to get better. Patrick Mahomes is going to get better. I don't think they'll have as bad as a season as they did last year. Not that they had a bad season, but they they had a slow start. Uh, you know, they weren't looking they weren't looking good early, and a lot of people were questioning whether they were going to be good or not. So, Jacobs, would you like to do the NFC? I'll go with my NFC. Uh, NFC East. I'll start with the bottom. I have the New York Giants. Uh, then I have the Washington Commanders weird to say still i'm gonna go with the philadelphia eagles at two and the cowboys at one i still think it's dallas's division to lose uh philadelphia and washington very well could flip in my opinion two and three depending on what happens quarterback wise but at least with the the rosters as they are i do think i like philly a little bit more at the moment nfc south 
Carolina, I still have at number four. I don't believe in Matt Rule. We'll see what happens. New Orleans, I think, is in some dismay. I think they could even finish below Carolina. They have a very good defense, but not a lot of talent on offense. No idea what's going to happen to the quarterback position and no Sean Payton. Number two, Tampa, you're still not huge on what's going to happen without Brady, but it is a really good roster. And call me crazy, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons winning the division. I think they're going to get Calvin Ridley. Yeah, you know, I think in year two of Arthur Smith, Matt Ryan is still a very decent quarterback. Very decent. Very good. You think they win the division with Matt Ryan? Yes, I do think they can win the division with Matt Ryan because I think it is the most unpredictable division in football. And I think that I trust Matt Ryan more than I trust anybody else who's going to be a quarterback unless maybe Jimmy G on any of those teams. Um, NFC North, I'm going to go with the Lions at number four. Uh, All for Dan Campbell, but there's just not a lot of talent on that roster. We'll see what happens in the offseason. I'm going to go with Minnesota at number three. Uh, Maybe I'm biased. And I shouldn't have the Bears as high as I do. Bear down. But bear down, exactly. And you can't rely on Dalvin Cook as much as they're going to. Kirk Cousins had a good year last year, but he's not the answer. And they're paying him so much money, you can't fill out the roster the way that you would need to. I do have the Bears at number two, even without a possibility of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. That team is so good. We'll see what happens. If Rodgers and Devontae Adams aren't back, my my rankings may change, but at least at the moment with both of them still on the team, technically, I'm going to go with Green Bay 1, Chicago 2. And in the NFC West, uh, Seattle, I just don't believe in anymore, even with Russell Wilson. They could still improve. I don't think they are, they're as bad as what they were this season, but I don't think they're as good as the other three teams in the division. San Francisco, I think, takes a step back next season. Trey Lance could have a good season. Um, I, I think they should still roll with Jimmy G. I don't think Lance is ready, but you invested as much as you did on Trey Lance. You got to roll with him. And I think that leaves Arizona to LA at one. LA is not going to lose as many players as you think they were going to after the Super Bowl. They're going to try to run it back. And then maybe next season we talk about the possibility of players moving on. Kyler Murray is a very good player. I love D hop. Obviously and the defense has a lot of talent. James Conner, I don't think he's going to have nearly as good of a season as he did this past season, and I don't like Cliff Kingsbury at all. Um, do you want to go ahead with your NFC, or do you want me to just roll into the AFC, brother? Um, I'll do my NFC real quick. Uh, in the AFC East, I have the Commanders or the Giants at four, Commanders at three, Eagles at two, Cowboys at one. I don't think the Giants will make much improvement. Uh, I think Washington won't address the quarterback situation when they really need to. And if they do, I don't think they'll make a huge splash. I think the Eagles are a young, good team. They could make some noise, but I do think this is Dallas's division to win. I think Dallas is a very good team, uh, offensively and defensively. And, you know, we'll see what happens. The NFC North, I have lined for teams just not that good. At three... Three, I'm going to put the Bears right now. And the only reason I say that is, you know, I don't know a whole lot about the new head coach, the new GM. From what they've done, they they have made some good moves. But, um, you know, the Chicago and Minnesota is are have a ton of question marks uh, around how they're going to play and how their front office is going to do and whatever. Uh, but for number two, I'm going to just put it at Minnesota. And at number one, I'm going to have Green Bay. Uh, like you said, even if they're not on the team, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, they're still very, very good. So I still think they could make a run in that division. Uh, 
obviously I agree with you if Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams aren't on that team. I still think that the, the rankings could change. In the NFC South at number four, I have the Panthers. Uh, I don't hate Matt Rule as much as you do, but I do not think he's the answer. Um, at number three, I have the Saints. Uh, their their coach, their coach coming in is an idiot. I can't stand him. At number two, I have the Falcons. Uh, Kyle Pitts is going to get a lot better. Um, I think they'll get something for that Calvin Ridley if they do trade him. If not, I still think he's going to get much better. And I think Arthur Smith is a good coach. I like him a lot. I think they're going to get much better as, you know, the years go on. Number one, I have Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Tampa Bay trades for Deshaun Watson. And, uh, you know, I think they 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 make some noise in that NFC. Um, NFC West at number four, I have Seattle. Uh, I think Seattle's going to trade Russell. I, I don't know if they're going to trade Russell Wilson, but they don't have many pieces around him. You know, chemistry clearly isn't there. So, you know, uh, I've, I've given up on the team for, for right now. Defense is a good offensive line. is a good run game. Isn't that good? Uh, the only bright spot you really have is quarterback position and wide receivers, which the quarterback and the head coach aren't even, aren't even on very good terms right now. At number three, I agree with you. I have the 49ers. I think with the trade they make, they will take a step back. But at the same time, I think they'll become a better team. If that makes sense. At number two, I have the Cardinals. Uh the whole stuff with Kyler in Arizona, I don't know what's going on there. Um, whether they'll trade him or not, I'm sure they won't. I'm sure he'll be back. I'm sure they'll be okay. But D-Hop, it seems to be that he's on the decline. I agree with you. James Conner is not going to be that good. Cliff Kingsbury, I do not like at all. I think that defense is getting old on the front seven. And at number one, I have the defending Super Bowl champions, Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, man. So my AFC uh, in the East, I have the New York Jets. I just, I don't think there's anywhere to go, but up, not far up though. They're not very good. The Dolphins at number three with the new head coach, like Declan said, I'm not sold on yet, but I do think he's good. I just think that the top two teams, New England and Buffalo in that order, New England at two, Buffalo at one, are just better. I think both of those teams are going to fight for the AFC East all the way down to the last week of the season. The AFC West, I have the Raiders at four, just like the Shorts. I have the Broncos at three. I have the Broncos at three right now because they don't have Aaron Rodgers, and if they do get Aaron Rodgers, I will move them up. But without Rodgers right now, I have them at three. I just think the Chargers are a better football team, which is why I have them at two. And the Chiefs are the Chiefs, so I have them at one, obviously. I have the Browns at number four in the AFC North. I think that has less to do with Baker Mayfield as it does Jarvis Landry and the rest of the division, quite honestly. I have Pittsburgh at three because of the questionable quarterback situation, but they very well could shoot up a little bit higher if they do find a good quarterback. I do have Cincinnati at number two. I think they are a playoff team, but I do think that number one, Baltimore, just makes more sense. The only reason they didn't win the division is because of all the injuries, and if they can fix that, they will win the division and they will both make the playoffs. My AFC South, I have Houston at four. Deshaun Watson, I, I don't think I'll ever play for the Texans again, no matter where he goes. Number three, call me crazy, I have the Indianapolis Colts. They have a very good team, a very good roster. But Carson Wentz is not the reason they were not as good as they should have been other than that final game of the season. And I think losing Matt Eberflus is really going to hurt that defense. They really looked up to him, and they loved him on the defensive end. He brought a couple of the assistants from Indianapolis with him to Chicago, and I think that is going to hurt them. I think a very close three and two race 
I think. Number two, I have the Jaguars. Call me crazy. But you and I both love Doug Peterson. And they have talent on that team, offensively and defensively. The only where to go for them is up. And unlike the Jets, their ceiling is much higher than the Jets. And obviously, Tennessee, number one, a good defense, a good offense, just a good all-around football team. Yeah, works for me. Yes, sir. So, guys, that's going to conclude our episode of the North-South Podcast. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Tell all your friends, your family. Going to repeat the same message. As always, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff. We are here for you. We are the men of the people. Anything else you want to add before we head out, man? No, uh, I'm excited. Uh, I think we have been making a lot of progress. Um, very excited for next week's pod. I know a lot, not a, lot, a whole lot of stuff uh, went on in this week in sports, but I'm sure we'll be back better with next week. More, more info about the MLB, uh, more NBA talk. So I'm excited. Absolutely. Guys, again, thank you so much. For the shorts, this is Jacobs. Thank you for listening to the North-South Podcast. South Pie got the whole crowd jumping. Jacobs in the shorts got the podcast bumping. Best sports talk, baby, can't tell me nothing. Picking with the best in the game on the mic. Nothing but respect, but you know we gotta fight. Hot takes, know we bring the heat like a blitz, though. Strong will, keeping it a hundred like a pitch, though. Woo! Gotta bring the passion. Brothers don't miss Steph Clay, they splashing. All the talk shows, North South, your favorites. You ain't gonna wanna skip like Bayless. <laughs> Coming to you live and CPA, the two boys with the smarts, no GPA. So tune in, listen up, cause there's more to know. It's North South, turn it up and enjoy the show.